Hey everyone, my name's Nicole. I'm Brenna. I'm Reed. And this is FitClick. podcast where we talk about fan fiction each episode usually uh the three of us will bring a fic to discuss and this episode nick is up first nick what are you bringing my fic for this episode is distraction management by ao3 user sin sense for the fandom semantic error tv our relationship is sangwoo slash jayoung and it's an au where instead of being university students they are k-pop idols reed what's your fic my fic is Her Heart is a River by Angelon. It is for the Six of Crows series. The pairing is Kaz Inej. It is a coda for the end of the series. Brenna, what you got? My fic for this episode is Air by Audrey Critter. This is a fic for the book series The Queen's Thief by Megan Whalen Turner. It is a gen fic that's mostly centered around the character of Costas. Yeah. We're back, baby. Yeah. First, well, we well, yeah, but first normal ep since the... I was going to say hiatus. That's not really what it was. <laughs> Summer break. Hiatus implies that we were either unhealthy or got into, like, a scandal. I'm pretty sure right before we went on break, <laughs> we said that we were going to stage a fight with each other. I think we, we probably did. did. To try yeah. and drum up some um, press. Yeah. But we didn't do that, and we didn't drum up any press while we were away no in fact i we kind of went silent um on the internet a little bit <laughs> but you know it was needed we were role modeling for the ficlets who want to take a break to say you know it's fine just chill you might have great plans for your break and all the things that you're going to do related to your podcast but what if you didn't <laughs> what if what if instead you actually only do a business meeting about four days before you record your welcome back episode? That's fine. It could be worse. <sighs> could have been like day of. Can you imagine? That's true. I, we we had a meeting. Actually, I do think the meeting might have been after we recorded. Um, now that I'm thinking about it, you know the what? That's okay. Well, things things happened in life. What can we say? And so we true. enjoyed some good media that wasn't just fan fiction. Am I right? Wow, what a stellar and natural transition that was. That's just how I talk. Yeah. <laughs> I, I was forgetting to put on my podcast persona for a moment, and it just came out. So, Reed, what kinds of things, aside from fanfiction, have you been into lately? Wow. Well, um, like many, 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 many people, um, I've spent a lot of time, my Switch and I are best friends, not that we were ever not friends, but Tears of the Kingdom, wow, that sure is a video game that I've been enjoying. Um, it's kind of wild to me that, like, okay, hot take, I still think I like Breath of the Wild more, but I have pre played Breath of the Wild almost two times all the way through, and I have more hours in Tears of the Kingdom, and I have not beaten Tears of the Kingdom once. <laughs> so, that has been fun. I could I could beat the game. I don't want to. I've gotten the quest line that's like, go kill Ganon, and I'm like, I don't, no thank you. What if I went and, like, helped this fishing town instead? It's always go kill Ganon, and it's never, like, show Ganon mercy. You yeah. Know? It's never become best friends with Ganon and have yeah. a sleepover. Not for artists on the internet for lack of trying. Though. That's true. Um, <laughs> yeah, valid. If you could only see fan art, you would probably think canonically 
that Link, Zelda, and Ganon are besties or something more, <laughs> Link. Oh. Oh. Wait, isn't Ganon, like, way older than them? Or are they, like, the same You're age? You're so right, Brenna. That's problematic. Or are they all just sort of immortal and it doesn't matter? I, that's... Mm-hmm. Also, I how do you really measure know. age? Because Link was asleep for, because like, a century. Link looks like he's, like, 17. <laughs> but he also has been in a million We're games treading doing on a million dangerous discourse. <laughs> he, yeah, he also, yeah, canonically has been... Well, he was asleep for 100 years in Breath of the Wild. And then he's asleep for a question mark amount of time. Why does he go back kingdom? to sleep? Wake well, up, king. He's the sleepy he loses boy. An arm, and then oh. the and then the, the king, who is Dimitri's voice actor, is there. This is the one where I started playing Tears of the Kingdom on Nick's couch. Was it Nick or Brenna who said this? I feel like it was you, Nick. Who um, there's like Raru is there, who is the guy who's Dimitri's voice actor. And you were like, do people ship him and Link? And at that point in the game, they'd interacted for a total of ten <laughs> seconds. So I went, probably yes. <laughs> I'm just getting a vibe immediately. Yeah. yeah, sometimes you just pick up on what the internet's going to pick up on. Although I think it's been, it's actually more popular, or at least what I have seen, maybe this is just like what TikTok is feeding me, is like Zelda and him and oh. like his wife. And because, Link like, and the shark guy. Link, well, yeah, that was a whole betrayal because like shark guy now has a fiance, but Link went to sleep for a hundred years and shark guy got a fiance. I can't believe <laughs> no, he wasn't even asleep this is for a hundred years. He was asleep oh. for, like, maybe a couple of years, but then also, you go to the Zora <laughs> domain, and they're in the Breath of the Wild, there's a statue of um, Sidon and Shark Guy, there's a statue of Sidon's, like, sister there, but then in Tears of the Kingdom, he's put the statue up on a hill, and he's replaced the statue with one of him and Link, and his fiance is <laughs> like, I've heard so much about you, you guys are best friends, <laughs> it's... <laughs> or something That's more. really good, oh <laughs> So funny. Um, We've all had open engagements in our life. <laughs> sure, so with true. shark men. Apart from Tears of the Kingdom, though, the one other piece of media I want to give a shout out to is Jujutsu Kaisen, um, which is an anime, and I watched season one, and then season two just started, like, a couple weeks ago, um, and I went over to my friend's place so we could watch the premiere together because it was, like, an hour, and then he was like, oh, have you seen the movie? And I was like, no. And, okay, here's the thing. I've looked into the, like, JJK tag a little bit, and, like, Gojo and Gato is, like, the big ship. And I was like, I kind of get this, but I'm just also inferring a lot of things because I don't know, I haven't read the manga or whatever. Then I watched the movie, and I was like, oh, and now season two is, like, back to when they were, like, in school together, and uh-huh. I was like, oh, <laughs> I am I am seeing, I am understanding. <laughs> um, This is the first time ever that an anime has compelled me to want to read the manga. I started it a while ago, and I just picked it back up again this past weekend. Um, The reason I started it a while ago was because I was very confused about how this world works, and I went, maybe if I read the manga, it'll make more sense. But actually, this is the anime is a really faithful adaptation of the manga, which is good, (laughs) and also means that it's the exact same amount of information. Yeah. (laughs) So I'm like, uh, do I really understand, like, anything about, like, cursed energy versus a cursed user versus a domain versus a- no but that's okay i'm here to vibe uh, but now again i keep i keep going into the tag and then i keep getting spoilers for things and i'm like what if i just read the manga what if i just read the manga for once and knew what was going on um so i am trying uh but i am also trying to read baru cormorant and those two things are very different <laughs> and one of those things is easier and one of those things is upsetting every time i read it um, actually, I guess, like, Jujutsu Kaisen fans might think it's upsetting. Baru Cormorant is the thing that's upsetting me. JJK the manga is not upsetting me yet. I'm still in, like, what is equivalent to the first season of the show. So. If you've read Baru Cormorant, then you would know. You wouldn't confuse it for the other thing. 
No. What? It's totally fine. I think that's that's my most prominent media that I've been consuming these past two-ish months. Nick, you've been watching TV, which you never do. I have. I've been watching a ton of television. And it's exactly what you would guess. <laughs> yes. No, I have been watching some television. Um, I watched some Korean BLs. Uh, some, some gay activity happening. Um, the best and worst of them is Kissable Lips, which runs under <laughs> 90 minutes total. And it's about a 500-year-old vampire who needs to seduce the one man whose blood can save him. But they're like also both college students. Um, wow. <laughs> what a show. <laughs> it changed the trajectory of my life. Um, and I will not rest until Brenna watches it. Which means I may never rest, but that's the risk I have to take. <laughs> I just think she needs to experience it. Um, I'm not going to do it alone is the thing. Like maybe if you yeah, are maybe. here, we can yeah, watch it'll- it. It'll take yeah. us as long as a movie. Brian, when we're done with Is It Cake season two, I could watch it with you. But then Nick would have to know that oh, we'd be watching it at a pace of one episode every two to three <laughs> no, months. No, each episode is like <laughs> 10 minutes. Okay, maybe maybe two episodes every two to three months. We can do three. Yeah. Probably. Yeah. I mean, I thought Kate and I were going to watch like two or three episodes and then we just watched the whole thing. So we were like, this is horrendous. I have to know what happens next. Anyway, so I've been watching that. Um, I have more recently been watching His Man season two. So my TikTok algorithm came into my home where I live and was like, <laughs> what do you think about this random couple that you're getting clips of? Only this one couple, by the way, I'm getting I'm getting clips of on a Korean dating show that's just gay men in a house. And I was like, yeah, I'm going to watch this. Uh, so I've been watching that. Um, it's been good. I've been enjoying it. I am indeed on board for this couple. I wish them the best. I hope they're still in love wherever they are. I don't know how the season ends, but their trajectory has progressively gotten more in love as time goes on. Um, by time, I do mean like hours. The whole show takes place over a week. Oh my god. Yeah. So each day they've gotten closer and it's really beautiful. <laughs> I've made it to like day five. It's a big deal. So I've been enjoying that. I have been reading stuff as always. I've been reading books um, I read Bloodmarked, which is the second Legendborn book, and I think I like it more than like literally anyone I've talked to. Most of my friends were all like, it was worse, <laughs> or like, it was good, but a little disappointing. And I'm like, I was obsessed the entire time. I loved it. I don't know what it is. Those books are like healing my inner child that loves dystopia and love triangles from when I was young. So that's been fun. Um, obviously, I'm reading The Monster Borrow Cormorant um, alongside The Two Fools I do this podcast with and some other folks in our book book club. It is book club. I almost said our podcast. No, no. <laughs> the podcast <laughs> is just us. A secret podcast. We can make one, but no one would want to listen. <laughs> kind of intense. You know how the McElroys did, like, the McElroy brothers with the intros, too, and yeah. they just, like, kept campaigning until they got in the movie? Uh-huh. It's book club makes a podcast, and it's to get Seth Dickinson to attend one of our book club meetings so we can ask him to square the fuck up. I thought you were going to say Fick, like, gets an Audi sponsorship. <laughs> we just keep mentioning like, it. Well, that There's too. many things that the book club could angle for. Um, Electo arcs, Seth Dickinson show up at our yep. book club, etc. Like, virtual. Like, he can zoom in or whatever. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Seth, I, <laughs> Seth, I have a Seth. Seth. <laughs> We'll be nice. Um, okay, the last thing I want to mention of my non-fake media is I started reading, I read all of, actually, I caught up on a webcomic called What Happens Next. Um, it's just online, and it 
wow, it's intense. My goodness. It's about a murder that took place when our main character, who was an accessory of this murder, was 15. Um, and I, I'll spare y'all the gory details. It's pretty violent and, like, upsetting. Um, but it's, it's like, well done because the story is actually about eight years later. So this character spent five years in a psychiatric institution and then three years after that just, like, out in the world. Um, and it's literally about, like, how do you keep living when you're a person who, like, the true crime podcasts are all talking about all the time? And do you, like, feel guilty but are absolutely incapable of facing that guilt? So you've developed a really, really massive victim complex. And also you're using Tumblr as if it's, like, 2017 because that was the last time you used Tumblr before you were institutionalized and basically had Arrested Development until then. Um, it's hardcore. This is wild. It's, I thought it was exceptionally done. It's still going. Um, also, the author has a, a now defunct retro spring where they answered a bunch of anonymous questions, and some of them are extremely funny. There's one person who would ask, like, every week about the characters and, like, if they would do karate or enjoy karate. Um, it's <laughs> very funny. Um, so that's an extremely interesting look at online culture and, like, cancel culture and victimization, but in a way that I think is just, like, eons more nuanced than most takes I see of it. Um, so... That's what I've been up to. Other things too, but those are the big ones. Thank you. Yeah, I've read and watched a lot of things that aren't fic lately. Um, in fact, far more than having read fic. <laughs> um, I've done a pretty bad job actually at reading fic, but a great job at doing other things. Um, I watched some K-dramas that I didn't like, so I'm not going to talk about them. I'll talk about the three things that I thought were good out of what I've consumed lately. Um... First, I read Sea of Tranquility by Emily St. John Mandel. I keep wanting to say Emily St. Henry Mandel, <laughs> no, no. but Emily Henry is a different author who I also love. Yeah. Different genres. <laughs> Very different genre. Yeah. Um, although, I don't know. I feel like they have some strengths that are similar that I think I find compelling in fiction. But yeah, so I read Sea of Tranquility. It slapped. I actually listened to it on audiobook and each of our sort of different POV characters has a different narrator. And oftentimes it doesn't work for me, but I really liked it here. I thought all of the voice actors or like readers were really, really good. Um, and I think it helped convey like I, the story worked as something being told to me um, in a way that I really appreciate having the audiobook for. Um, yeah, definitely a five star read. One of the best things I've read in quite a while. Um, it was like more sci fi than I anticipated, um, but I really, really, really liked it. Uh, I also watched season two of The Bear. Um, it is the only good TV show. Don't at me. <laughs> well, one of two good TV shows. Right. Sorry, I forgot about Kiss of Bullets. Three. Is it cake? Brenna, please. <laughs> okay. Brenna, well, oh, okay. wait. Man season two. Okay. Okay. The Bear <laughs> is the only good scripted drama TV show. <laughs> I'm ignoring Kiss of Bullets. Stop making that face at me. I haven't seen it, so I can't speak on okay. it. Um... Yeah, that show is just impeccable. I laughed. I cried. I cried just from like an overwhelming of emotion, not even because it was like super sad. But there's a moment and like people who have seen it will know what I'm talking about where like a character is in the car at the end of the episode and starts singing along to the song that's like playing and I just wept. <laughs> um... Yeah, I don't know. I thought it was a masterful season of TV. I really like when second seasons like delve more into their characters and give each side character like more time. And it felt like that's really what we got. Um, 
and I just thought it was expertly done. Would highly, highly recommend. I think it's one of the few seasons twos that I've watched in a really long time that felt like it surpassed the first season of an already really great show. Um, and then yesterday I saw Barbie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you did. Um, I fucking loved it. It's not perfect. I think there's definitely some valid criticisms you can make of it. Um, I'm not going to make this here mostly because like, I don't want to be too spoilery. I know this will come out in two weeks, but also my co-hosts haven't seen it yet and are seeing it this week. So um, yeah, I think there's definitely some valid criticisms you can make of it. I also thought overall it just had so much heart and so much care and Margot Robbie's facial expressions made me feel things. Um, yeah, another just Greta Gerwig banger about what it's like to be a woman in this world and I left just feeling like so happy to experience like friendship and like the good things that being a woman can bring you um, and also the color pink. So, yeah. <laughs> Follow your dreams, kids. All the way to my fit. My fic for this episode is Distraction Management by AO3 user SinSense for the fandom Semantic Error, and the relationship is Sangwoo slash Jaehyung. It's an AU, where they are idols in the K-pop industry. So in the show Semantic Error, Sangwoo and Jaehyung are enemies big time, but they have to work together to make a video game for Sangwoo's like, senior project. Um, they are enemies to the point that like Jaehyung is basically just bullying him for a while until they eventually fall in love, as happens uh, in any healthy relationship. So I always <laughs> appreciate seeing that represented in media. Um, <laughs> it's very tropey. It's very opposites attract. They actually could not really be more different from each other as characters. Uh, and that made me curious about Fic, because I think while the show is like a very specific and beloved online uh, version of them getting together they feel like very archetypal characters and i was curious to see what fandom was actually doing with them in fan fiction um and there was a lot more fic than i was expecting so that was exciting after uh deep diving for kissable lips fic there's not a lot <laughs> uh wow <laughs> there really isn't much um and it's all fix it fic for the ending mostly i won't spoil that for you though um anyway <laughs> i really like this fic obviously um I have been into K-pop for a while now, and I really enjoy that this fic, obviously the author knows quite a lot about K-pop and the industry in general, and like how these characters might slot into respective groups and how that could look. Um, I also like that it took a really frank look at just like the day-to-day -day of being in a group and managing personalities and managing your image and having friends in different groups and how you deal with all of that. Um, distraction management, I think, is a very good title for this story. So I really loved it. The main content warning I would share for this fic is internalized homophobia. Also, just like general societal homophobia exists. Um, the internalized homophobia is consistent with the show, wherein Sangu basically is like, love between men is not natural. He changes his mind by the end. But that does show up in this fic, and it's pretty intense, I would say, um, more so than a lot of other fic that we like talk about on the pod. Um, so just a heads up on that. Um, I think it could be jarring if you go into it surprised, but the author, I think, warns for it pretty well, too. I think that's my only content warning. There are a couple of other little notes in the fic um, about just, like, content in general, but I don't think we're going to touch on any of that in our discussion. Yeah. Okay. That's going to be my overview. 
co-hosts, what did you think of this story? Yeah, I didn't really know what to expect from this fic. Um, I have seen the TV show Semantic Error, but I will be honest that I am a slight Semantic Error hater. <laughs> I didn't think it was bad. I just didn't think it was lived up to the hype I'd seen about it. Um, my bar for Korean BLs is pretty low. Like, these shows just do not have a budget. They cannot really get, like, top of the line anything. Um so, you know, you're left with some shows often that are kind of underwhelming as a viewer, especially if you were used to watching really high budget het couple K-dramas. So I have yet to be like wowed by a Korean BL drama. Um, and unfortunately, Semantic Error isn't the one that wowed me. Um, but I was still like really curious about this, especially because Nick said it was good. And I do think the writing was really excellent. Like I really enjoyed how the story was crafted. I can't say that I was fully won over to the characters but again this isn't I think of an issue with the fic like I think fic assumes that you've clicked on it because you like the pairing or at least are open to liking the pairing I was like these clowns so that <laughs> sort of did them and and the, <laughs> and the fic a disservice um I loved reading them in the idol universe. I thought that was a very clever choice. And honestly, also just like really funny because usually like you're reading university AUs for K-pop idols. <laughs> so I thought it was really funny to read like an idol AU for university students. Um, I just really enjoyed that. And I found like in a very easy world to pick up on from being a K-pop fan. Um, I liked how this was structured. I liked what the like author chose to like put in in terms of scenes and character development and getting together. Um, I just, I'm not like the biggest fan of this source material which i think mm, i don't know that i want to say like it lessened my enjoyment of the fic i just like wasn't necessarily rooting for the characters to get together in the typical way that like you are when you read a fan fiction which is on me yeah i knew absolutely nothing about semantic error other than i had like heard that people enjoyed it but i did not know what it was about i didn't know anything i got some context from my co-hosts before i read this fic um but I do know things, I was gonna say, I do know things about being a K-pop idol? No, I don't. I know things about reading fic about K-pop idols, though. Um, so I do think that made this fic much more accessible to me. I think a fic or a show or whatever for these two, like, really has to lean into some tropes um, to, yeah, I guess convince you of why they'd get together. Like, I'm understanding Nick when you were like, they could not be more different, opposites attract, etc. Um, wow. I think this fic was really fun. Like, I, I thought the prose was really fun um, and the way it was structured. I say fun. Like, it also, yeah, it very much does go into, like, internalized homophobia. It's not like, uh, it's not like a, <laughs> a romp all the way through. But there were parts where I was, like, audibly laughing or just, like, really enjoying what the fic was doing with its use of, again, like, tropes, etc. And just, like, it felt very, like, fan fiction with a capital F to me in a way that I really enjoyed. Um and yeah, like, can I say that I came out of this fic rooting for these two in every universe? No, I don't know that they should be together in every universe, but I really liked the way that their, like, relationship unfolded here and the way that this story went. Like, I feel like it it really worked. And it, I don't know, I think, like, the structure of them being idols at the same company, but in different groups, like, made sense for the whole take on sort of an enemies to lovers aspect. Um, and I really liked also, like, the side characters in this fic. I really like Jaehyung's, um, group and, like, his members that you meet. Jaehyung's best friend, Yuna. I love her. I stan. I don't know anything about her apart from what is in this fic, but she's incredible. And I'm obsessed. Um, There's really not much more to her as a character for a side. This fic, I think, makes her more interesting than the show does. 
Well, then thank you to AO3 users since since you've made me a Yuna stan. Okay, so a little bit more context about like the plot of this story. Um, it opens pretty early on with Sangwoo, who is in the kind of junior group to Young's group. He's a little bit younger, um, doing a live stream for his fans where he studies on the Pomodoro method and only takes questions for like 10 minutes at the end. It's very regimented. It's very strict. This is very reflective of his character. Um, and at one point, someone asks him about Young and being and how Young is a visual. If you're not familiar with the idol world, it's basically like he's the hot one of the group. Is it a skill or a talent? Yes and no. Um, but it I think it can be seen as a little bit pejorative sometimes, especially in like English-speaking fandom. So we'll just note that. So Young sees this and is like, what in the hell did I do to this kid for him to be like, oh yeah, he's just a visual. He doesn't have to be talented in other things. Like, excuse me, I'm your senior. <laughs> Hello. So he starts disrupting Sangu's lives. At first, it's kind of a joke, and then they have to... Um, do another live to make up for like to kind of to do damage control for the first one and then it becomes a regular thing from there uh eventually Young, who is uh canonically queer in this fic and like out to a lot of people close to him not publicly necessarily but more out than i think a lot of folks in the industry um talks to Sangu and is like hey you're kind of giving homophobe and Sangu's like facts <laughs> it's um, because I am <laughs> it's because it's weird to be gay and I'm weird because I'm gay and Jayung's like we don't have time to unpack that <laughs> um from there there's there's a lot of stuff that happens it's a 26,000 word story um but I think one of the main pillars of the middle of this fic is Jaehyung offering to teach Sangwoo how to try and be normal on camera around other men can you accept the touch of a man on camera not necessarily sexually but like <laughs> okay I'm gonna pat your head okay can you put your head on my shoulder okay I'm gonna back hug you and like this is why the fans will like it and this is how it's gonna improve your image um, I'm always such a sucker for this kind of a thing. It's so good. It's so thick, like Reed said. I thought it was a really fun way to see like their personalities, which, yeah, were very true to the show, kind of play off of each other. And yeah, it had me hurgling a little bit. And so by the end, I was like, hell yeah, it's all happening. Um, there are some absolutely banger lines. I pulled a couple that I'll want to read at some point. But ultimately, to me, this just felt like such a convincing story. Not necessarily like just a convincing romance story or just a convincing idol story, but it felt like a thing that could happen. They felt like human beings. They were messing up in very human ways. They were struggling to communicate in really human ways. That felt true to their characters, even when it made it harder on both of them. This could have been a shorter story. I think the author did it a real service by continuing some of their miscommunications the way that they did. So I loved it. I was super excited to bring it. And now everybody else knows what the fic is about, too. You're so welcome. We only sometimes summarize <laughs> them. So I thought it might be nice to like do that every once in a while. It's because the ficlets did fan made episodes and they like summarize it. And I'm like, oh, this is so nice. <laughs> Neglecting telling people anything about what we're discussing. Yeah, we're like, you Oops. know. Yeah, one thing that I thought was kind of interesting about their miscommunication was, like, especially later in the fic, um, sort of after they've begun how to be normal around men lessons, but it's getting into some questionable territory. Um, yeah. It's like it's like how to have skinship with a man when you're not being visibly terrified of your fans thinking you're gay. Yeah. 
but then also secretly both of you are gay and want to kiss each other gay for so, each other yeah. yeah 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 um but I thought it was interesting because there's like a conversation between the two of them where Jayoung is saying all these things like, you called me unnatural, you said this, and Sangwoo is like, I, I didn't. And it's like, well, you very much did, but I also can understand like from Sangwoo's perspective why he didn't think he was like saying the things he was, or like he was saying a lot of things that were frankly about himself, although he was not framing it that way. Um, and like did not mean, I guess, to project that onto Jay Young. But what Jay Young was hearing was, "You are calling gay people unnaturally. You're saying there's no purpose to this." And like, as Nick said, Jay Young is fairly out for the industry, and so it's like a, kind of an open secret. And so Jay Young is taking all of that as like, "This is about me. Like you're saying it's about me, and you're uncomfortable around me because you know that I'm gay or like like men." He's also dated women, so some form of queer. Um, but I don't know. I found that really interesting. The sort of like you said this no i didn't but it's not like a i don't like he's not, like song is not like lying about it he just experienced that moment and that conversation differently and that felt like a really i think interesting form of miscommunication i've talked a little bit on the pod about how sometimes miscommunication is just really frustrating when it's like have a goddamn conversation but it's like <laughs> they did they just were kind of not even speaking past each other yeah it's just a bad conversation it was a very much like uh, conversation where both people were reflecting way more on themselves than they were about, like, the other person. And I liked the way that that came up later. Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of this fic is about the two of them learning to communicate with each other, and it's represented to us in a variety of different ways, I think. And I think it's also interesting that their sort of, like, skinship idol lessons also are a form of that in a more, like, physical way of learning to communicate. So I enjoyed the sort of duality of having them as two people who are very different learn how to kind of listen to each other and have to like hear what's being said in between the words a little bit more because like Sungwoo for being as like literal as he is also is not very good at like expressing his actual needs for most of this. Um, and then like Jaeyoung is sort of like always trying to express his needs but like I don't know, doing a bad job of it in a very different, much more like emotional, emotion forward way. Um, and so a lot of it is about them sort of learning to like read each other more as people. And I think it's interesting how the physical aspect comes into that as well. Learning to like understand someone's body cues and like learn to be comfortable physically around someone while you're also learning to be comfortable around them emotionally. Like beyond it being a trope for them to get together, I thought it was in an interesting device to kind of show as two people who are at the beginning very uncomfortable with each other. As much as Jaeyoung is like, hee hee hee, it's so fun to tease him. Like he's not comfortable with him yet. Like the first time that they're on live, it's like very awkward. Um, so yeah, I just, I liked the sort of different forms of communication and like learning to read each other that were represented here. And I love that this fic doesn't shy away from the awkwardness. Like there are some excruciating moments in this story that I think yeah, were so effective. A painful read at certain times yes. in a very intentional way. Yeah, early on when they're having these lives together and Jaehyung's like trying to chat to the fans and Sungu's like it's time to be working what are you doing and you're like oh <laughs> okay the bit where like Jaehyung pops in on a live and he like goes to put his hand on Sungu's shoulder and Sungu yells like do not touch me and scoots out of frame and it's like that's yeah that's gonna get clipped and posted all over every social media site and people are gonna be like what the fuck uh-huh like hmm that's why they have to do damage control and like to do another live and stuff together. 
Uh-huh. But I like I love that also juxtaposed against all of Jayoung's other relationships in his life, like his friendships and things. That's one thing I like about the show too. I think Jayoung is really socially grounded in a way that I think oftentimes romance characters are not, especially in a BL like Kiss of the Lips. No one has friends. <laughs> um <laughs> It all comes back to kissable lips. Yeah, it, well, of course, all roads lead here. Um, <laughs> I'm I'm just gunning for it to be a spoiler without context. Okay, but this is like <laughs> all the all the roads leading to <laughs> Okay, I'll see what I can do. Thank you. Um, but yeah, I mean that's something in any romance genre, anything, whether it's a show or a fic or a book or a movie. I am always clamoring for more friendship because I feel like it tends to get kind of shunted off to the side. So seeing Jay Young's not only his relationships with his group, which I think are really great and like interesting, and like that's what we love about K-pop, right? Like the weird interdependent dynamics, but also his friendship with Yuna, which felt very real. Um, that's definitely his like closest friendship in the show. And I think it works really well to transpose it the way that has been done in this story. Um, Sangu doesn't have friends in the show either. So like, what are you going to do? He's a he's a loner. It's a bummer. <laughs> but I think that's also why I liked Jae Young so much as our POV character, because we get to see such like a rich world that is bigger, like much bigger than just this particular romance, even though he's fixated on it throughout the story. I think if this were, like, Songu's POV, or I don't know, an outside POV, I think if we were not in Jaehyung's head, I would hate him. He is, like, such a, I mean, I gather this comes from the show, but, like, a stereotypical kind of, like, fuckboy. He's um, the worst. Yeah, he's, like, the popular jock. Yeah. And, like, again, in a lot of his interactions, you just, like, you can't take anything seriously, et cetera, et cetera. But then when you get the other things, when you get him taking care of the members of his group and, like, very carefully navigating the way that the younger ones are sort of arguing, um, or... His friendship with Yuna, who, again, I stand, I love, obsessed with her. Um, it really does give him a lot of, like, dimension. And, like, even if he still kind of has that, like, fuckboy jock whatever persona in those interactions, it also comes with, like, nuance and depth. I was really cracking up with the one line that was, like, because he's, like, so tired and does not want to be managing, like, an argument between two of the members. And it's, like, he has three Gucci bags. He is an idol. This is worth it. And he will deal with <laughs> yeah. his members if he has to, like, for the sake of having more Gucci bags. And, like, that cracked me up. Yeah. Like, telling himself to get a grip and get some perspective. <laughs> yeah, I think it's really funny that both of our characters here, and, like, also very much in the show, are, like, relatively unlikable people in a lot of ways like they also very much have good traits that i think are brought out in both and like we see how they work with like the people who are close to them but like initially they have a lot of things that are off-putting to other people and i think it's really interesting that this author chose to make them idols a job where your whole shtick is being widely likable (laughs) (laughs) and obviously you know like there's a wide range of idol personalities and like some people do kind of make a jokey persona of like being more standoffish or whatever i can totally see how sangwoo would like have fans who are very attracted to his serious studying shtick and everything like i think it totally makes sense i just also thought that was a very like funny and clever choice that the author made that like adds extra layers to this to sort of give these two people who like Perhaps it doesn't always come so easily to them both to, like, be sort of cheerful, likable idols, um, to put them in this job where, like, your public-facing persona has to kind of be that at times. 
Yeah, well, it's interesting because like Sangu being the idol producer of the group makes total sense. Like he absolutely needed to have something like that to be like mm-hmm. <laughs> to justify putting him into a group. Like it really tracks. It felt like the author was kind of giving like Yungi Woozy the like <laughs> kind of grumpy smaller producer who just holds up. <laughs> um, he's missing the cuteness of those two, but that's okay. <laughs> you can't win them all. Like, I feel like if someone tried to be like, Sangwoo, we're all going to draw you as like a little cat, Sangwoo would be like, that is illogical. Rather than Yugi being like, that's me. Yeah. (laughs) You'd be like, are you kidding me? That's degrading. Oh, it's good stuff. Um, Yeah, I mean, I would argue that this particular version of Jae Young, especially, probably is better at being the idol persona than like anything else, than like having the relationships that are authentic or like navigating stuff. Mm-hmm. as himself like it almost feels like the idol persona is an escape from having to be good in like a deeper more authentic way which i also liked a lot oh yeah i mean there's like an early scene where jayoung is watching one of sangu's lives and like kind of is distracted he's being driven somewhere and when he gets there he's like a little bit short to the staff member who drove him and then he realizes what he said and it, like in his internal thought he's like nope he's good at this like he's good at putting on a face and he's like oh thank you so much thank you for taking care of me i'm sorry that i was distracted like Puts out, even though it, like it literally says in the fic like that's his like second least favorite staff member like he hates that guy but he's very good at that forward facing or like public facing persona yeah which is why i think it's like fun and to me at least kind of convincing that he'd be so fixated on sangwoo who is not only so opposite of him but who also does not fall for that from him it's just it's a fun dynamic it's a rich text I also wanted to read a bit. So there's a whole bit where like they have this miscommunication and blow up and like they kiss and then it's like this is a bad idea, da 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 and they don't talk and they're not answering each other and Jay Young is really moping. He is pouting with the best of them, just like around the company hallways. And then he gets a text from Sangu. And the bit after the text, I think, is really representative of like what I love about this prose because it's so character driven. No wonder I liked this fic. It's just like character work the whole way through. Um, okay, so this bit reads um, in italics, Hyung, I need to talk to you. The problem with people like Sangu is that they don't even use their power correctly. If Jaehyung could ever manage to be a deeply principled curmudgeon who refused gentleness as a matter of course, he wouldn't waste I need on a text message to some coworker. He'd use it in person on a windswept day. He'd be wearing a peacoat and tailored trousers. The person he said it to would be utterly decimated. They would run away from polite society and live in the woods, in a tree, writing novels about that time they fell for him. Sangu blows it on a text message. Which is so good for so many reasons. I mean, first, this is a reference to the show, where I believe Jaehyung is wearing a peacoat and tailored trousers when Sangu runs up to him and is like, Hey... Actually, I changed my mind. Like, I do want like a one week trial of the boyfriend experience, basically. Um, but I also think it's just like it's so smart and it's so good. I love that like we learn a lot about Jay Young and the way he thinks about stuff. Even like that sardonic tone, right? Of like, God damn it, that we get throughout so much of his narration. We get a lot about Sangu here, and I think it just this kind of writing is what made this story so convincing for me and it's why i blew through this fic the first time i read it i was just poking around the tag for fun and then brett and i were eating lunch and i was like flying through (laughs) like hold on hold on i have to finish this paragraph (laughs) because it's just so well executed and i really really love that yeah i think like when they decide to sort of get together properly at the end um i liked the reference back to their first sort of well they had disagreements before this, but I feel like the first thing that really blew up between them, which was the girl group 
dances in the like random dance play challenge. Um, and I really like this part when uh, Sangwoo says, I remembered how I felt about Tiara when I first saw them. They made me angry. Angry? Jaehyung says. Yes, Sangwoo says. He looks uncomfortable. I didn't know how much I liked them. Um, I just felt like that was such a good callback and like a realistic way for Sangwoo to like be trying to be more open with his emotions and like show Jaehyung how he's like processing things. Um, even as he's like still kind of new to being open about these feelings or like having someone to talk to openly about them at all. Um, I don't know. I just thought that was a very sweet moment and like it really worked for me as like a sort of layered confession moment as well. It felt very K-drama. I liked it. Yeah, there's just so much good stuff. I mean, even the fact that the confession comes across like multiple scenes, one of them being Jaehyung's frantic, like honestly unhinged text messages. Where he, um, I'll read a little bit of it just for kicks here. Um, so there's this whole bit where he's like, I'd like to be with you, but that means I would need to be with you, not someone else. And then da 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 da. I don't want you to change. I think you want to change to be a better idol, but I think the reason why people like you is because you don't change. Da 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 da. And then towards the end, he says, "You're who I want, even though you're horrible." Also, we should do mouth stuff next time. Talk to you later. <laughs> he scrolls back up to reread the messages. Vulnerable, optimistic. He wants to break his own neck. He's in the middle of writing. The mouth stuff is optional, obviously. When his phone buzzes, it's so funny. <laughs> Yeah. It's so good. So they have like kind of like an aborted confession scene there when Sangwoo is like, Yeah, I told you my feelings. And Jaehyung is like, literally, where? When? What? And then Sangwoo's like, come meet me between this specific hour. And then they have another conversation later on. Um I don't know, I think that also goes back to what I was saying around this just felt so real. I love how like unshiny so many of these scenes are. Um, shiny is in the adjective, not the K-pop group. I can't speak to the level of shininess. <laughs> I mean, they're um, not in it. So. No, <laughs> I'm sorry. Low on shiny, <laughs> they do a shiny dance in the K-pop random play. Yeah, so shiny but... canonically exists, but yes. they're not in the story. I'm sorry, Brenna. <laughs> I don't okay. know why they would. Be. <laughs> they wouldn't. So somewhere would in the background, no they're like shiny sunbane hymns. We're good to see you, <laughs> Jaehyung slash Sangu slash Minho. No, no. <laughs> Get out of here. Okay. Uh, but yes, I just think like it's a really unglamorous look at such a glamorous industry and such a glamorous genre. We don't have like the K-drama music playing in the background over this. It's like really messy. Um, and that's another reason why I liked it so much. I love meditations on like industries like this where there is this gloss and then fake allows you to take a dive under it and see what else is there. So that was our discussion on distraction management, a fic that I like very much, and I think that everyone should read, because it's good, and I like them. Even just, like, reading the lines back made me remember how much I enjoyed reading this fic for the first and second time. <laughs> <laughs> Banger. Speaking of relationships where they're pretty bad about communicating their emotional needs, let's talk about my fic. My fic is Her Heart is a River by Angelon. I think that's how you say it. Maybe not. Who knows? Um, it is for the fandom Six of Crows series. It's a duology. The relationship is Kaz and Nej. Um, as I said in the intro, this takes place after the two books. In case you're not familiar with the Six of Crows duology, um, 
I did read them and really liked them, but it's been a very long time. So the very brief context I will give you is uh, it is a fantasy novel. Um, it is set in the world of Ketterdam, which is like fantasy old historical Amsterdam, I think. I think that was like a heavy inspiration. Kaz is a criminal leader guy. He like kind of runs a business in like the shady area of town and also does lots of things that are illegal. Um, and in the series, he compiles um, a, a found heist family to do little criminal things with him. Um, and one of those people is Inej, who he noticed because she is very sort of light on her feet. She used to be in the circus, I think, with her parents, like sort of doing trapeze and like high rope stuff. And so he inscripts her to be his thief. Very occasionally, sometimes het couples have rights um, and make you feel bonkers, and this was one of them. Um, they definitely canonically, like, have feelings towards each other. Neither is good at communicating at all, and Kaz also has, like, a wealth of intimacy issues that he is not good at working through. And so, even at the end of the books, they never, like, I think officially get together, per my recollection. And so I think there are a fair number of fics out there that sort of get these two together, quote unquote, like properly or like in a more tangible way than the books do. At the end of this series, um, Inej gets a ship. She names it the Wraith and she goes out. And I don't know if this is in the books or not, but in this fic, um, we pick up with Inej as sort of a pirate queen captain. Um, she is trying to sort of break the slave trade or at least disrupt it within Ketterdam and its surrounding areas because she was once a part of it. Um, so that's where this fic picks up is sort of a couple years, I think, into the future um, with Kaz feeding her information and then the two of them sort of reuniting um, to take on one of Inej's targets. I don't really have content warnings for this fic. Um, there is some violence, but it's fairly off-screen and mild. Um, I think it is no more than what is in the canon um, and probably lighter than what's in canon. Uh, I think maybe just the one thing of note is just that, as I mentioned, um, the pretty central plot to this is that Inej has spent the past couple of years dealing with sort of slavers and slave trade that is the thing that she is trying to take down so it is kind of central to the plot of this fic yeah so that's what i would note i think about this even though it's been a while since i read the books um i really like these two i really liked returning this is a fic that i've had in my marked for later forever and ever and ever and i was really glad to get around to most of the fics in this tag are for jesper wylan and that's fine but i don't care sorry that was harsh but it's true <laughs> i like jesper a lot but i don't care about that ship i cared about kazanej um and so I was really delighted to find this. I thought the prose was great. Um, I liked sort of seeing this glimpse into the future for the two of them. My co-hosts, what did you think? I really enjoyed this fic. Um, I really like Six of Crows. Um, I enjoyed it. I will say, like, I read Six of Crows and Crooked Kingdom now, like, six or seven years ago, which is so wild to think about. My youth is slipping away like sand through my hands. Um, but <laughs> I did read these books a while ago. Um, I remember some stuff. I know some things about the way Crooked Kingdom ends because a few years ago I wrote read a Yuletide treat uh, about these characters post Crooked Kingdom, which read definitely knew was me from the jump. Yep. And I did and not, did not send... FaceTime me to tell me about how I should read it and how it was really good. <laughs> I was so excited to have good Kazanesh yeah, So cute. It was very sweet. I appreciate and it. And also Pecorine. <laughs> I can't speak about that read. <laughs> uh, Pekarine, Yevgeny Kunetsov. 
Who are we going to have next? <laughs> There's a character in the book called Pekka Rollins, and when Nick wrote the fic for me, Nick accidentally wrote Pekarine, who is a hockey goaltender, and neither of us realized until, um, I think M read the fic and was like, hey, did you mean to put this it name? It was much later. And Nick went, no. And then in this in this fic that I'm bringing today, there is a, an, an OC whose last name is uh, Kuznetsov, and all three of us were picturing Evgeny Kuznetsov. From um, Alexa, play Haunted by Taylor <laughs> Swift. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, yeah. aside from that, um, I have always really loved Inej. I think she's my favorite out of the crows, which is not an unpopular opinion. She's really good. So we like her. It can't be helped. Um, Kaz and Inej are a really great ship, in my opinion. I think this fic did some really cool things with their relationship, especially not necessarily having it... Um, materialize in a cutesy way as I think would never happen for the two of them um, I don't know I liked it and I liked the continuation of Inej's story um, and also Kaz's story I don't know I feel like I haven't read a ton of post Crooked Kingdom fic so forgive me if this is a lie but I feel like a lot of stories focus on one or the other and not so much about how both of those things are happening kind of in tandem with one another even if there are separate agendas happening not even separate agendas separate tasks that they're doing in different places so i liked seeing them working together from a distance and then spoilers for the fic reuniting in person later it's a 6k fic and that happens i don't know like 3k in so <laughs> i don't know how much that's really saying but yeah overall this was fun um and i always love an excuse to spend more time in this world yeah, I am very much a Kaz Inej fan, Kanej, if you will. Mm -hmm. um, I will. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, I think they are the best ship in this universe and kind of the only ship I think has rights. Sorry. That the was only a canonical really... ship. Okay. <laughs> what what non-canonical ship do you Nina think Inej. Right? Nina Inej. Nina yeah. Inej, thank you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry. A hundred percent. No, you're, total times you're over. totally right. You're totally right. Um yeah, I did watch the show recently, and Kazanej, so valid. Jesper Weiland, um made me homophobic. <laughs> Brenna, you're just like Sangu. Can we say this? <laughs> you're just like Sangu. I don't know, it's just my opinion. Um, I thought it was true. bad in the show. I had, like, yeah. no feelings in the books, and then I was like, ugh. Um... <laughs> Yeah, so I was really, I was really excited to be reunited with my faves of the universe. Um, I am very much a Kaz girly. I really like Kaz as a character. Um, he's probably my favorite of the crows. Although I also really do like Inej quite a lot as well. I also like Nina. She's not in this, but you know, just to round it out, <laughs> she's mentioned a couple um, times. Yeah, yeah, but she's not like super present here. Um, but yeah, I did watch the show not that long ago, so I feel like I am relatively up to date on my feelings about this universe and its characters, even though obviously a TV adaptation does have a different vibe than the books. Um, but I like the I like the crows overall in the TV adaptation as well. Um, yeah, this was really fun. I really enjoyed Inej, uh, Pirate Queen. I think that's such a banger move for her. Like, it just really feels good to read that. Um, I also recently read a book about another sort of like pirate queen lady. Um, so I was very much just like in that space to enjoy a badass woman on the open seas, um, which this delivered. 
I I really like seeing sort of post canon fix for Inej too, where she's kind of grown into herself a little bit more and her own desires because during the books it's very much like everyone kind of following Kaz around like that is sort of his job is to give them jobs like he is the leader of their little group um but like it's nice to see the characters be able to grow a little bit and explore like what's important to them individually in this fic it's very much uh for Inej like trying to take down the slave trade um which I think matches with her character in the books um but yeah, I thought that was, like, really fun. I just really liked the setting of this fic and, like, the choice to explore sort of that side of Inej. Um, and then, I don't know, Kaz was very Kaz in this. I liked him a lot, too. The scene where he shows up really cracked me up. Yeah, I think speaking to what both of you have talked about, um, there's something, like, really gratifying about getting to see these characters a couple of years into the future. And like you said, Nick, like, getting to see both of them, this is more Inej's story than it is Kaz, but you are getting a sense of what Kaz is doing, in part because, like, he's been writing to Inej, um, and I know all three of us were a big fan of the letters in this fic. Um, we love an epistolary moment here on the pod, so I think I'm going to kick this off by reading a part of the fic that includes some of the letter writing, because I feel like it gives you a really good sense of sort of their dynamic and just, like, what is going on between the two of them. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to skip around a little bit, but Kaz was even less forthcoming in letters than he was in person. It was like they communicated their feelings in the spaces between the words that made up the substance of their correspondence. Don't let that imbecile of a first mate talk you into repeating your last tactics. That might have meant, be careful, I care about you very much, the captain of the ship is familiar with your previous movements, and if you try again, you will sink and drown and I will be very sad. Of course, it could have also meant, don't fuck this one up, moron. How could she complain, though? Her reply had gone, 14 from Ketterdam in the Leviathan's hold. What she'd meant was, they are all terrified of this man. Don't underestimate him or he will beat you to a pulp and drown you in the harbor and I will be very sad. He probably read it as, don't fuck this one up, moron. All this wasn't even counting the crossings out. If they could have read each other's crossings out, it might have amounted to something like a frank conversation. What a perfect distillation of who they are. Like, communicating only in the most bare necessities. Here's what you need to know for your mission. Here's what you need to know to stay safe back in Ketterdam. Um, but all of this, like, unspoken things between them. And that line about, like, the crossings out would have amounted to a frank conversation. Like, I feel like the series was so ripe with things on the tip of the tongue that are never said, things that are inferred, and, like, that both you as a reader and that the characters are inferring in the silences, but inferences only get you so far. And there's, like, a moment that I remember between Kaz and Inej, where Inej kind of is like, I need more than what you are giving me. Like, if if this is ever going to be something, like, you need to be more forthright. And then Kaz, like, can't follow through on it. So for a while, they are just not something. Yeah, so I just, I loved the way that this fic took that dynamic into the future and built upon it and, like, portrayed it in this way. Very persuasion of them. Just in my opinion. <laughs> to be exchanging letters in which you can't say the thing you truly want to say. It would be more persuasion if at the end, Kaz sent a letter that was, like, really long and effusive and was like, I've been in love with you this whole time. But then I would be like, this is really out of character. <laughs> really yeah. confused actually Inej would also be like oh so someone is doing a very bad job impersonating Kaz in fact so poorly <laughs> I can't even pretend that this is him yeah unfortunate uh, I just love these two I think like this fic does such a good job at showing us the distance between the two of them and the ways in which they both try so hard to bridge that distance there's a flashback scene where they're both doing the stakeout like in the rain and Inej is about to slackline and they're bickering and they're talking about all this stuff and she does end up um wheedling waffles out of him 
But before that happens, like I was thinking so much about the sort of almost composition of that scene. It seemed like such a visual one. I was like, wow. I was like sort of trying to picture it in my head, struggling, <laughs> but trying. Um, and I like, obviously, this is so true to Inej's character in general. I think one thing Bardugo does really well across Six of Crows and Crooked Kingdom is giving us these like touch point allegories and like extended metaphors for character behavior and personality inej constantly walking across these slack lines and doing the balancing act obviously is very her um jesper and his gambling is another big one um but i really liked how much of it was like she's about to do this really dangerous thing and the thing she's thinking about most is just how kaz is annoying her (laughs) like she's not worried about falling and maybe this is a stretch for me but i just really liked that um compared to the rest of the fic where she's like on the boat and she's making plans and all this stuff but like when she's with kaz it's a much less mundane setting it's this almost like fantastical movie like the rain is coming down and she's slacklining across and they're bickering about opera like it's this really weird intense romance peace amidst a fic and a ship where you just don't get a lot of that and even in her own narration during that scene and after Inej is like wow like what would it have been like to see the two of them from outside like a Kirch boy and a Suli girl just like sharing waffles um, and how that is never going to be them and it never can be not so simply but that like yearning <laughs> part of me is like Kaz and Inej is for the gays <laughs> specifically because it's so like repressed <laughs> And there is so much of like, oh, like if we could be together in this particular way or if we could express it in this other way, like it feels queer. <laughs> I know it's not, but it feels like it. No, it really does. It's like more appealing, I feel like, to people who usually gravitate towards queer narratives when you're mm-hmm. reading even about a het couple who like also are kind of experiencing these boundaries of some sort. Like I, I definitely find myself gravitating more towards couples who like there is some amount of that same narrative presented in some manner. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like we can't be together, but we're trying to find a way. But like, I can't tell you the truth or I can't accept that from you. And when it's not sort of like a BS reason that you could easily get past, but instead an author has decided to like write an immensely long rom-com novel about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Remind me after we finish recording, Brent, I have a TV recommendation for you along those lines. Is it Kissable Lips? Oh, <laughs> you caught me. <laughs> Okay, let's just watch it when you're down here next. You're driving okay. me crazy. Sounds good. Sounds good. <laughs> I love this. Like, I'm, I'm giving in. <laughs> yeah, you're wheedling Bren down, not because she has any interest in watching this, but just to get you to stop telling her to watch it. <laughs> she recently tweeted, like, the untamed shaped hole in my heart. Like, when will I have a TV experience that's that movie? And I was like, Bren, I have a recommendation. I'm surprised you'd have blocked yeah, you. Yeah, you and Kate are the worst. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good show. I don't anyway, think it yeah, is. Anyway, but... those are my thoughts about Kanej. <laughs> Thank you. They were good thoughts about Kanej. Um, Thank you. <laughs> probably better than Kisabal it. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if we mentioned this or not, but it this is a multi-POV fic. Um, most of it is through the Kanej POVs. So we've got alternating Inej and Kaz. Um, But we also do have um, some POV sections from Captain Kuznetsov, who is basically, well, he's trying to hunt down 
uh, Inej and the Wraith, but Inej is also trying to take him down. So it's sort of a, you know, I don't actually have a word for that. <laughs> standoff. <laughs> yeah, I guess. Altercation. They end up in a standoff on the seas, and, for an sure. And Ouroboros of a chase. They're both chasing each other. Oh. Mm-hmm. His name in this fic is Alexei Kuznetsov and not Yevgeny <laughs> Kuznetsov. But, you know, right. if we want to imagine him that way... I think we're well within our rights. I don't know that rights. it's a want so much um, as like a, it's just sorry, his happening. Sorry, cursed to imagine <laughs> yeah, him that way. <laughs> um, so Captain Kuznetsov, as you might be able to imply from the fact that Inej is trying to hunt him down, pretty much sucks. Like he's the villain of this fic in a very straightforward manner and he's really a rotten guy, um, which we get based on kind of knowing about his actions on the sea, but then particularly in his POV sections, it's like, wow, this guy fucking sucks. Did we like need his POV in this fic? I don't know. I don't know that I can make that argument, but I did kind of like the flavor that it added um, because it just gave us a sort of outside image of like what people think about Inej and like outside of just Kaz and Inej sort of what's going on in this larger like universe that Inej is trotting in. Um, and how little they know about her. The fact that he didn't yeah. even realize she was a woman. He's mm-hmm. like, oh, the captain of the Wraith, this or that. I was like, yeah, that's Inej for sure. Moving like a little ghost through her different like things she's trying to accomplish. Absolutely. So I think it was really nice to have that sort of like outside POV to be able to sort of give context to both like Inej's actions on the sea, but then also a little bit about her character and stuff. Um, Also, again, like we just don't have to feel bad for this guy because he's the worst. Um, One of the reasons that we know he's the worst is because he's interacting with the slave trade. Um, I will say this is not a criticism of this author necessarily. It's more criticism of the author Libardugo. Um, yeah, I recently read the nonfiction book uh, How the Word is Passed, which is an account of American slavery. And it's just made me once again think about how slavery is depicted in books, especially books that are written by American authors, um, or at least American educated authors. Um, I don't know all of Libardugo's life, <laughs> um, but I do know that she went to schools in America. Um, so yeah, I think it's just like, I think there's a responsibility from authors to sort of like reckon a bit with the history of slavery in America when you're also writing about slavery in your fantasy books. Um, I think a lot of people don't want to do that. I can't like, I don't know Lee Bardugo's mind, um, but I've definitely like seen online people who are kind of like, well, it's just fantasy. Like, why do I need to like deal with reality? And it's like, because like you as a person are centered in reality. Like you can't just remove yourself from the historical legacy in which like you are placed as a person um you might not get any choice in where you're placed initially like where you're born or where you're educated but like you do have to kind of do something with that um so i don't know i was just like kind of thinking about how slavery was depicted in this and it's very black and white here i think you know in a way that i think is also like (laughs) i'm not saying it should be more gray (laughs) like and is just very much like this is shit i'm gonna take these people down and we're like go queen we love you but i think like the way that slavery is intertwined into the world set up by lee bardugo is not necessarily like the best depiction i've seen in a fantasy world um so yeah i was just thinking about that a little bit um as i was reading totally yeah i feel like it's so interesting to think about like fantasy as a genre especially as it intersects with fan fiction Mm-hmm. Like, the ways in which we're looking at it, um, Six of Crows does have a fair bit of magic. We see just a little bit of that in this fic. Um, I don't know. I don't know what I would even call it. 
Is it like low fantasy? Gr- gritty, but no, it's not grim it's dark. high fantasy. High because fantasy. Because it's in a completely different world. Oh. Is that is that the difference? Isn't it? I don't, I don't well, know. Well, I, because. I'm not a fantasy reader. I feel like this is like the problem we have like categorizing Baru too, where I was like, it's technically fantasy, but it Baru, doesn't. Baru, I do not know what to do with. It doesn't feel like fantasy. <laughs> Baru is like historical fantasy. Yeah. I, I mean, I think like high fantasy is generally in a completely like alternative fictional world. Like it's uh-huh. not like low fantasy is sort of our world with magic. Um, so it's and like urban ha- fantasy. Yeah, or like, but I guess I mean, it doesn't have to be based. urban. Um, yeah. but like, I don't know. The book I just recently read, like Ink Blood Sister Scribe, that I was telling you about, Nick, that would be very like low fantasy, I think, because it's very much our world with like a dash of magic that sort of like changed some things. Um, Lord of the Rings is high fantasy. It's a completely yes, alternate world, and sense. it has like an epic sort of scale. I think that's another thing um, about high fantasy is that it's sort of like epic in some yeah. nature. That's true. Um, I, can I would see, definitely I, can see that as high I would definitely lean towards saying that Six of Crows and Kingdom are high fantasy because it's in a completely alternate universe. There's magic and there's sort there's of like map. this quest element. There's a there map. Is a map. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Um and there's sort of this epic quest element that I think is uh-huh. very common within high fantasy as a subgenre. Anyway. That makes sense. Thank you. Yeah, cuz I feel like when you're looking at fix specifically that's taking a slice out of a fantasy world i'm always really interested in like what is maintained and then what is like left out especially this is a 6k story they packed in a ton from crooked kingdom and like the end of it and like the setup and also it's like really interesting to see like okay there's rumors that there's a heart render on board there's rumors like this that or the other like we have the glimpses of magic but not a lot of it directly we have like the first mate who doesn't like to talk about other grisha like it's so cool to see we have kaz showing up in a rum barrel because nina made him temporarily dead for a bit i think you gotta do what you gotta yeah. do yeah yeah she made him dead for a little while but also kind of for the bit i don't know i just really like i think when you're doing a coda like this i totally understand like as a reader and as a writer you want to throw it all in because it's like well what's the point of coming in at the end of a story if you're not like really sitting in that like very ending with all of the different elements of the world so i was just impressed at how much was put in here even obliquely in six thousand words because it was a lot i think i'm going to close out this discussion by reading another little part of the fic from the very very end um so kaz shows up on anisha's boat basically to warn her like hey this is a trap and now multiple people are trying to kill you and me Um, But they succeed regardless, and they're sort of sitting on her boat together. Um, And Inej says, Careful, your reputation will be in tatters. Kaz Brecker, notorious bastard of the barrel, likes holding hands in sunrises. Don't slander me. I'm entirely indifferent to sunrises. Um, And then there's a couple more lines, but I thought that was such a good way to end it up. my little feet. Yeah, exactly. I'm like grinning as I'm saying this right now. Like, it's so good. It's so right. I think, Nick, as you said, like, the getting together could never be that, like, saccharine or sweet for them. Um, and this fic does, like, afford them perhaps more emotional um, intelligence or, like, speaking about things than they would in the books. But it's a few years into the future, so maybe they've learned how to talk about things. But that just felt like such a good distillation of who they are and, like, to each other and as characters. Um, so I really liked it. I found this such a good and satisfying getting together story and like nick said i think it was um because it was so firmly rooted in the world and like had all of these ties to what we know of canon um it was just really nice to return back to this series that i kind of forgot how much i liked it and how much i liked these two until i read this fic 
So that's my recommendation for it. From the bottom of the barrel to the top of the tower, let's go to Brunswick. <laughs> that one needed the finger gun. As I said. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I agree. Yeah, my fic for this week is Air by Audrey Critter. This is a fic for the book series The Queen's Thief by Megan Whelan Turner. Um, this is a six book fantasy series that was published over many years um, and completed within the last couple. I don't know exactly what year it was finished. Um, I read them all earlier this year and became obsessed. Sorry to front of the podcast who had been telling me to read them for years. I didn't listen. That is a character trait of mine, so no one should be surprised. <laughs> um, you can be disappointed, but you can't be surprised. Um, yeah, uh, this fic takes place pretty much post-canon and centers around character Costas. He's the most present in books three and five um, and ended up being one of my favorite characters of the series. Uh, this fic is very much a character study of him and then also his relationship with some of the other most central characters in the world and most notably Eugenides, uh, aka Jen, aka Atollus, aka the Queen's Thief, aka the King of Atollia. <laughs> <laughs> one of the factors of high fantasy actually is also that people have to have 7,000 titles <laughs> if you're not confused yeah. about names it is not a high fantasy book <laughs> so true um I don't have any major content warnings for this fic. There are some minor ones. Things are pretty canon typical if you're familiar with the books. These are technically YA books. I think they're very readable and enjoyable by an adult audience. Um, but there's also just not a high level of like sexual content or violence or gore in them because they're also very suitable for a young adult or honestly, even like a middle school audience if you could follow them. Um, they get kind of twisty turny, but there's not a lot of like content that would be inappropriate. Um... I think the couple things I'll mention in this is there are a couple like kind of assassination attempts via poison and then also some references to a canonical miscarriage. If you are unfamiliar with the series The Queen's Thief, I will give you a little bit of context before we jump into this fic because I think you do kind of need to know our major players. Um, the The series is ostensibly about Eugenides, aka Jen, um, who is a thief. Uh, originally, he is sort of the Queen's Thief of Edis and then becomes... Well, a lot of things. <laughs> uh, most of the books are sort of centered around him and his story as he kind of climbs unintentionally through the political ranks of the university he lives in um, and ends up marrying the queen of Atolia um, and becoming the king of Atolia and then also sort of like the thief of Atolia as well. Um, Costas, who is our primary character here and our like main POV character, um, is a guard in Atolia's guard when uh, Eugenides marries her. Um, they don't get along at first. Um, Costas is of the opinion that most people have about Jen at that point in time, which is that he is a little loose who Atolia should not have married, um, and they all want him out of their country. Um, Costas punches Jen, and then Atolia's like, what if you two were buddies <laughs> and trained together? And then Costas ends up being incredibly loyal to Eugenides, um, and in book five, he is sent on a mission by Jen to go kind of wreck some havoc and get some political information in a neighboring kingdom that they're at war with, um, and ends up on a uh, incidental sort of on-foot road trip with another primary character, Kamet. Um, I think that's most of what you probably need to know to understand our conversation here. Um, the other thing to know about the universe is... 
I don't know how I would describe this if I would describe it as high fantasy or low fantasy. Honestly, (laughs) it doesn't have like super intense fantasy elements. It's sort of in a fictional alternate history of our universe, a sort of alternate sort of it's like greco-roman inspired although places have different names but i think that's very much the vibe of the universe um there's a little bit of magic because the gods sort of are real and can interact with people they don't interact with a lot of people but they do interact with eugenides um his name eugenides is also the name of the king of the thieves in this universe and that is important uh to understand his character and a few things that happen later on in this fic um, that makes sense. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, sorry, that was long-winded. Um, please go read these books. They're honestly so good. I really became rapidly obsessed with them, and I just like want all of my fantasy to have the same feeling that these books have. Um, but yeah, like I said, I really enjoyed the character of Kostas. I knew I wanted to bring a fic for this universe, and when I started looking, um, I found this sort of character study fic very compelling. Yeah, Bren's campaign of loving this book series worked. Um, We listened to the first book together on audiobook when we road tripped, and then I liked it so much that I powered through a lot of the other books on audiobook. I did get like halfway through the last one and then my Libby Hold expired. So mm, sorry to that one. I'll get back to it once I'm done suffering through Baru. But yeah, I absolutely loved this series. So I was very excited when I knew that Bren was going to go looking for a Queen's Thief book. Um, Jen is, I don't know if he's my favorite character. There's so many characters I enjoy, but Jen is definitely up there as one of my favorites and so is Kostis. So to be able to spend more time with both of them was really delightful. And I think this fic did a great job of portraying that dynamic and that relationship. Um, I think my favorite parts were just like the dialogue between them because it felt like I was hearing the audiobook narrator, especially for some of Jen's lines. Like I was just hearing it in my head as I was reading, which was such a fun and cool experience. Um... I will say, and this is not on the fic or Brenna, my assumption, this is on me, is that this fic was a shippy fic, and I thought it was Costas mm. Kimmet, because that's what makes sense <laughs> as a ship, and is where the fic starts, is with the two of them on this like island nation of Roa. Um, and then Costas is like not really loving his rustic island life, and so he goes back to Atolia to like go help protect Eugenides, and in my head I was like, wow, what a fascinating choice from this fic. I'm so interested to see how he gets back to Roa or how Kamet gets back to Atolia. Though that does not happen, this is distinctly not a shippy fic. Um, and in fact, once he leaves Roa, Kamet more or less is not in the fic, which I was kind of sad about, but that's okay. I agree. I love Kamet, but yes. Yeah. The author even has a tag that says, no ships except Irene slash Jen and also boats. There are some boats. <laughs> well, I'll get wrecked, right? listen, you don't read tags either, Nick. I knew, though. I knew from the start. Okay, well... Anyway, that's that's not a gripe with this fic or this author. That's just my own, um, again, especially for fic. Like, why am I ever reading tags? I get what information I need to know for my co-hosts and I go in. Like, the tags are not going to change. I feel the opposite. I read them when I'm doing fic click fics because I'm like, oh, this is going to be useful information. <laughs> See, I'm like, I'm going to read this fic regardless. So, like, why am I looking at the tags? It doesn't matter. I'll find out what's in the fic as I read it. Anyway. Despite the fact that there was not a lot of Kamet once uh, Kostas leaves Roa, I still really loved this fic. I really loved being in the world. I think this author, again, did a phenomenal job of really um, evoking the feeling of the series. So, yeah, I had a good time with this one. I also had a good time. I do think, okay, it's very canon-based. It is readable and enjoyable if you first read the Kostas page on, like, the Queen's Thief fandom wiki. 
if you do that, I think you're kind of set. I did. I learned some things as I was going, and I have learned some things even since this discussion started. <laughs> but oops, my bad. I still think it's possible. It's okay. I think you can do it. It's a really well written fic. I think it does a really good job guiding you through the twists and turns of the plot. It helps to have some of the backstory about Costas's character um, and his relationship to Jen and his relationship to Kamet, um, and just like his general story. But otherwise, like, I feel like I followed it pretty well and I enjoyed it. I think the prose was really strong. I really, I love a plot twist. I love when it's like executed well and it's fun and you're trying to figure out what happens. If I had remembered Costas's last name, I think it would have been even more fun <laughs> initially. Because um, I was like, who's that? <laughs> we were introducing a new character like in chapter 12 for no reason. Okay, sure. Um, not what was happening there. Um, but overall, like, yeah, I think it was really enjoyable and it very much felt like a fantasy story. Like, I definitely have thoughts about how this one versus the last fic, like, feels more or less like fic versus more or less like original fantasy and like how that plays into my experience of reading them. But yes, I would also say it's a fairly long 35k in part because it is in 15 chapters. They are short chapters, and once I was, like, really in the groove of it, I was moving, but at first, when I'm sitting at, like, one out of 15, and I don't know who these guys are, <laughs> it's like, help. Yeah. I got there eventually. Figlets, if you're determined to do this, I believe in you. I hope you can channel my incredible strength and fic reading prowess as you embark on this journey. No, Nick was a champ. I was a little worried about this one, but honestly, I just didn't really have anything else I wanted to talk about as <laughs> Brenna this week, um, so we did it. <laughs> It worked out. It worked yeah. out. It was good. Now it's time for you to read the books. Hee hee hee. Okay, here's the issue, though. I'm pulling a you on this, I think. We're like, I probably would enjoy them. I just don't feel a strong compulsion to pick them up now or ever. So maybe someday. But Nick, Nick, I'm just like, Costas is a bodyguard. I do like that, but I feel like I already read his wiki, you know? <laughs> yeah. That yeah was, like, my, my other thing I, like, grappled with when bringing this was honestly, like, this fix spoils so much of, like, what happens throughout the books and you need to know so much of it like i had to spoil more of it so then i was like you can still totally read the books and enjoy them i just think it's kind of fun to go in with not a lot of knowledge about them but then i was like i don't think they're anywhere near the top or middle of next tbr um a ya fantasy is a tough sell yeah. for me <laughs> i can like i had i not been told it was ya and had i not looked up the characters ages i could have easily believed it was an adult fantasy oh my god adult the fantasy ages. might be an even harder sell for me <laughs> <laughs> yeah valid i brenna told me the ages after we listened to book one and i that's it's they're just wrong like um, in the middle of book one you were like yelling at me in the middle of Utah being like he's not 15 <laughs> I agree, actually. At one point, can I read one of my notes yeah. as I was reading this fic? Towards the end, we get in the narration about Jen. My gods, Costas thought. He's so young. And then I wrote, in this fic, he's really giving old, so I keep forgetting he isn't. Sorry to this man. No, Eugenides <laughs> gives old in a it, definitive just way. He's the king. <laughs> So I kept being like this oldie again. But, <laughs> but he's probably like, I don't know, 20 at this point? <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say mid twenties, but like I really don't know. You know I kind of lost track. It doesn't the matter because they're definitely younger than I their was ages are what they are in my head, and that is my truth. Okay, sounds good. They're not teenagers. I'm yeah, so sorry. I made Kaz twenty two in my head. I made Jen like twenty two in my head. <laughs> Everyone who's a teenager gets to be twenty two in my mind. Brenna single handedly <laughs> revitalizing the new adult genre. <laughs> 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 
<laughs> if I could, I would. Um, yeah. Okay, so during pre-discussion, I had only read the first five chapters of this story. So sorry to my co-hosts. We were all doing our best. Okay, none of us showed up having read everything, so I didn't feel that bad. Um, but one thing I was talking about, okay, so over the course of this story, Costas is first in Roa with Kamet and is chilling. And then Kamet is like, you are engaging in reckless behavior. You got to go back to the castle and basically kind of goes around Costas to make that happen. So Costas goes back to the castle, reunites with Jen and becomes kind of his personal guard. In the first five chapters and ongoing in the story, Costas ends up tasting a lot of Jen's food and like drinking his drinks. And there's a lot of little like, haha, let me check if it's poisoned king, uh, literally king. <laughs> and I showed up at pre-discussion and I was like, he's going to get effing poisoned. This poison is going to show up 100%. So spoilers for not that far into the fic. Um, super duper gets poisoned. And I was just feeling really proud of myself. I was like, I put together a foreshadowing piece. I felt like, you know, those like, I don't know how to describe this. It's like a video edit of a person, usually like a middle-aged person who uses Facebook with like glitter and like lights. And it's like a either a picture or like a slideshow just of them smiling woodenly. Oh, yeah. yeah. And then it sort of switches to like different angles of the same photo and like yeah, zooms yeah, in yeah, and yeah. out. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, that's how I felt. <laughs> I that was my like energy. I can picture the vibe, but I do not know specifically to what you guys are referring to. <laughs> I don't know. It's, it's just, just like a genre of yeah. slideshow. Yeah, um, it's the vibe. So that was how I felt. I was just like, <laughs> for benefit of um, audio listeners, Nick is doing different sort of same smile poses, changing minutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was just I was like, wow, I knew he would get poisoned. Yeah, crushed it. A, a thing I loved about that is that it's sort of more for Costas than it is for Eugenides. Like, they've learned that Costas tries all of his drinks, and they're like, how do we take out Costas? Well, let's poison Jen's drink. <laughs> um, I thought that was just really clever. I really like that. Um, I think something I really enjoyed about this fic is how well the author did at mimicking a lot of the things that I found most compelling about the book series. Obviously, this is a very canon-verse, canon-centric fic, so I think it says a lot about the author's like writing prowess that it felt very much like the books in a lot of ways. Um, and one of the things that I really enjoyed about the books is that we kind of switch POVs a lot throughout the books. Um, some books have multi POV, some are just one, but like we rarely get a sequel to a book that's like the same as the one before it. We're kind of bouncing all over with different folks. And something that's really cool about that is like that we get to see different sides of characters. Um, and Eugenides, I think in particular, like this series is so interesting because we get the first book from Jen's perspective, but then we're sort of seeing him from the outside as he does a lot of stuff throughout the next many books. Um, and I really like how we start to see these different sides of Jen through different characters' interactions with him. And Costas is a really interesting one for that. And we start to see a lot of different sides of Jen through Costas in book three. Um, but it was like interesting to come back to that dynamic now at the end, especially when Jen has changed so much as a character. Um, I think something about Eugenides is sort of like he's kind of three people in one there's like the sort of truest just his personality sort of jen um and then there's the queen's thief part of him and then there's like the atollus like king of atolia 
part of him. And those are kind of three different people um, that I feel like he's always grappling with and that other characters are sort of grappling with. Because like, if you know Jen, you might be disappointed by what Atollis does or vice versa. Like, he is one coherent character, but he also like the different roles that he has to play sort of lead him to making different decisions. Um, So I really liked how we kind of saw all three of those characters reemerge here through Kostas's POV and Kostas's interactions with Jen, because I think he's one of the people who can get closest to him and see the sort of truest, like, Eugenides side of him, but who also in this fic especially is, like, really grappling with what it means for Jen to be a Tolis um, and have those responsibilities. Sorry, I do just have to say, Nick put in chat while Brenna was speaking, um, three guys in a gench coat. So that's a choice <laughs> yeah, of words. Terrible. Thank you so much. I could not help myself. This is the first fic in a very long time I've taken notes for, and um, it was partly because I was scared I would be too lost if I didn't, um, and also kind of for old time's sake, I will say maybe 30% of them are useful notes that are of substance. So for example, one thing I really liked about this fic that I've talked about before a little bit is how much it uses what I kind of refer to as in-universe metaphors. Maybe there's another fancy word for it, but it's this is the way I like to frame it where we learn more about Kostas by the way his narration makes comparison. So one of the examples from very early on reads, Any voices below were lost in the howl of the wind, his ears assaulted like a sharp cuff from his uncle's hand. And it's like, okay, yeah, that definitely tells me something about Kostas's backstory and like what his life was like when he was younger. Later on, there's also a bit about him being sort of barraged by these questions and describing it as if his mind is being hit by a wooden practice sword. Um, I just think that grounds the fic so well. And it helps me a lot to get oriented because you're using specific language that is helping to ground Kostas in the story and in his own life and in his own world. We get to know what's important to him and what's top of mind. And um, I think that was really smart. I also have notes like bloodless on the quote. It wouldn't be gentle or bloodless, but Kostas would accept it without struggle. I just got really excited. So it's mm-hmm. it's a mixed bag in there, you know? <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I think going off a little bit what you both uh, were just talking about, um, and I know I kind of said in my little intro-y bit, is that I just liked so much how accurately this fic mirrored canon and, like, the dynamics in canon, and again, like, how it just felt, like, so true to the tone of the books. And I love Eugenides and Costas both as individuals, and especially in relation to each other. I think in part because, like, when they first meet in, like, book three, like, yeah, Costas punches Jen. He fucking hates him. Many people in the kingdom of Atolia fucking hate Eugenides and think that he's a little clown boy. Um, one of Jen's masks that he's good at wearing is being a little clown boy. <laughs> Part of his truest self is also a little clown boy. Sure. So. <laughs> but he's also like very clever and it is to his advantage when people underestimate him, which they frequently do. Um, and one of the things, like, I think book three might be my favorite book, which is the book that is Kostas' POV, um, King of Atolia, because... You get to see through Kostas's eyes, like, some people slowly realizing that Jen is clever. He is, like, not- he's very, like, aware of what's going on. He is politically powerful, even though he fucking hates being in power politically. <laughs> like, he's good at utilizing that power. Um, and I really just enjoyed seeing, like, Kostas's sort of development of, like, begrudging, like, okay, maybe this guy is, like, halfway capable. Like, okay, he actually is deserving of my loyalty. Even while many of the closest people in court still- think Jen is a little clown boy. 
Um, but as Kosa sort of becomes closer with Jen, like Jen's pretty informal as far as kings go. Like they kind of they start to have a little bit more of an informal relationship. Um, and I don't know, there were so many lines in this fic. Again, the dialogue was so good that it had me like audibly laughing. Um, like there's a bit like Jen keeps wanting Kostas to be better at lying. And so there's a bit where Kostas literally says, I don't want to be better at lying. Kostas lied. You improve by the second, Atola said. And I like my <laughs> note literally was I'm audibly laughing. Like I was having such a good time with it. I don't know. I just this fic did such a good job, I think, of capturing what makes the Jen and Kostas dynamic so fun and enjoyable to read, even as it is showing yet another different version of eugenides like the gen that we get here is not the gen that we saw in book three he's suffered more he's gone through more things um but it, it did a really good job i think of adapting to what their dynamic would look like um i will say like from the perspective of someone who doesn't know the books i felt like okay there are quite a few characters that pop up but i felt like it wasn't so many that i was getting lost of like who's who there are a couple folks that i was like who is that again but for the most part everyone's role was pretty clear and the important players seem to be showing up um and i think part of that is a testament to we're in costas's pov for most of the fic i would say whenever he's conscious we're in his pov <laughs> uh when he's unconscious we jump over to jen and then to atolia or i feel like it's disrespectful to call her irene yeah, you should call her Atolia. Okay. A little bit. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> it like feels wrong, actually. <laughs> Jen is whatever, but Atolia. No, exactly. Um, yeah, we it. get some of their perspectives. Thank you. Um, but I feel like Costas also is like a just such a great narrator here because he does a really good job of kind of keeping tabs on who is who and who's on his side and um we haven't really mentioned this much brenna touched on it but he suspects that there is an attempt on his life coming even before the poison there are like these tiles that fall and presumably is it a god that calls his name and slows him down? i think that's the implication yeah, yeah. okay and it's like don't die costas and he's like sounds good um <laughs> and he doesn't in that moment at least and so i think like Costas is very hyper aware of what's going on around him. And he's also, interestingly, a very trusting character. He seems to be very sure of the people that he trusts deeply, Jen being one of them, his friend Eris being another. And I like that too, because I felt like that was helpful for me. I was like, who, who, who are the good people? Costas, help me out here. Um, and he felt like, unlike other stories we've talked about, he was such a reliable narrator, and I really appreciated that, even though at one point I was like, has he been lying to me too this entire time? No. Uh, but he, no, he wasn't. He's he's a good dude. He's my friend. I don't think Jen is my friend, but he's my friend. Jen is my friend. I like Jen. Oh, I feel like I would like Jen if I read the books, but based on this fic, he's not my friend. <laughs> well, because book one, you meet like Jen. Yeah. And you become very endeared to him. I think if you only meet Jen at this point when he's also so many other people, kind of, like, it's harder to be feeling friendly with him. I liked when he <laughs> hid under the bed. That really made me yeah. laugh, actually. I was you. like, you're the king. He does not care about decorum. I, I do respect that. I want to talk about the very end of for a little bit. There's a line there that just made me feel bonkers and i absolutely loved it um an important thing to know about this universe is that there's sort of lore about the queen's thief um because it is sort of a position like eugenides is not the only one that there has ever been he is one in a line of queen's thieves um that basically a, a thief will die by falling um and if they it's not their time to die they will be not they will not die from falling they will be saved <laughs> um 
And so there's this bit towards the end that goes, you threw yourself off a tower, Eugenides said. Our God will keep me or he will not, Costas said. Eugenides felt the words like a sword to his chest. Hadn't Costas sworn his loyalty to Eugenides and Eugenides both every time he'd been asked? And I was like, rattling the bars of my cage! It's so true! He's the loyalest man in the universe! And you underestimate him, Jen! <clears throat> anyway. So true. Yeah. Um, I, as a reader, I'm not 100% sure if Jen, like, knew Costas was innocent the whole time and just had him run to be able to capture the traitor because Jen knew that that was going to happen because that would be a very Eugenides move um, or if he was genuinely blindsided. I'm leaning towards the first one, but I feel like the fic does not necessarily like shove an answer in our face either way. Okay, to contradict what I said earlier about not reading tags, I, I did skim some of the tags on this one, but specifically because I saw trigger warning falling and I legitimately then had to go and look and be like, is there an MCD tag for Eugenides? Because I had the exact same the thought of Brenna that I was like, the only way that Jen is going to die is if he falls. So I was like, if you're if you're giving me a trigger warning for falling, is it because this is Gen- Eugenides' time? But it wasn't. It's fine. I wasn't worried about that at all. Well. <laughs> no. I was like, it's probably fine. <laughs> but also, yeah, Bren, I think I would also... Listen, if this is not the fix's intention, that's okay, because um, things can be interpretive. I also would like to interpret this as Eugenides, like, planning to sort of use Costas running away to... Um, flush out the traitor because as you said it's kind of fucked up yeah which is exactly genides's mo as a king like he's kind of willing to play with people but he also feels deeply about them (laughs) um christ (laughs) yeah well we have to assume that that was for the benefit of the other people around it was mean um yeah it was mean exactly oh i also like okay as a lover of devotionisms i did have a lot of feelings about the end too especially when Costas shows up alive and like kneels in front of Jen and is like kill me if you're gonna kill me I have no proof I have nothing but my word and I would like ah. well yeah and when he says like if I die it'll be by your hand like Jesus Costas well yeah and I feel like that's the Eugenides and Eugenides both part again like yeah because Eugenides is also a god yep Mm -hmm. I knew it (laughs) (laughs) I read that and I was like okay so there's another Eugenides (laughs) out there somewhere in the book we get all the myths about like uh, the gods okay um told to us pretty good yeah i just oh i love that at the end like i'm always gonna be a sucker for a guard covered in blood kneeling in front of a king going you know what <laughs> do what you need to do i served you in every way i possibly could have and i will continue doing so even in death yeah wow super chill so banger so good so good so i have one more note to share which is uh in the fic at one point while he's before he gets poisoned while he's tasting wine costas says with complete certainty poison isn't going to kill me and next to that i wrote me saying that a boa constrictor couldn't constrict me because (laughs) i would just constrict it back first um, so I related so true to Costas. In one of the most I've been like infuriated. <laughs> That's some Nickelor I'd forgotten about. That one hasn't come up in a while. Yeah, yeah. Just in case anyone forgot, <sighs> a thief will die by falling, but Nick will not die by a boa constrictor. <laughs> Confirmed. Fit click podcast. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's lore. Just squeeze it back really hard. Like I'm literally a person. Okay. Anyway, <laughs> um, I just wanted to note that as well because. Um, when I take notes, sometimes they are about the fic, and sometimes they are about me. <laughs> Valid. 
Yeah, so um, I really had a great time revisiting the world of The Queen's Thief and also these characters who I really love so much um, thanks to the writing of Audrey Critter. I thought this was just an excellent character study, an extra excellent sort of like addition onto the end of the books if you're a fan. Um, also, please read the series. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Fit Click. We hope you had a good time listening. We had fun recording, as always, and we're going to have fun posting this on social media and onto the podcast feed as well. That is a threat. If you want more Fit Click in your life, you can follow us on X. Oh my god. <laughs> Christ almighty. Okay. I hope by the time this episode comes out that that is not even accurate it's anymore. Done. Yeah, I hope so too. Let's date it. <laughs> um, you can follow us on Twitter at FitClick for however long that platform continues to exist and be used by people. In our pinned tweet is probably even more useful to you. You can find a link to our Discord server, an invitation to that, which has been a lot of fun with folks. We do little events sometimes and people post about their pets and plants and fic recommendations and writing, etc, etc. You can also email us longform if you would like to at FitClickPod at gmail.com. That will get to us eventually and we will see it. If you would like to help ensure that FitClick does not also crumble into the waters of wherever Twitter is headed, um, one way that you can help out the pod is by leaving us a review. Um, you can leave that on a couple different podcasting sites. Um, I think Spotify has reviews. Apple Podcasts definitely does. Um, you can also just tell your friends or your coworkers, maybe. Depends on how close you are to your coworkers. Tell your boss. <laughs> tell your boss in your next performance review. Tell your company CEO. <laughs> yeah. Email them and say, hey, I think um, you should check out this really cool podcast called FitClick. Contact HR with a FitClick recommendation. <laughs> what could go wrong? Maybe pick like one of, well, I was gonna say one of the less explicit, we like never really talk about explicit things. We just skirt around it usually. So you're probably just curse. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I think we are rated E for cursing. Um, anyway. Yeah, send them episode fine. 69. <laughs> you can do all sorts of things. You can recommend all sorts of episodes to your friends, family, HR. Um, but word of mouth is the best way that this podcast grows. Um, and so we would really appreciate it if you would, yeah, spread the good news of FitClick. I know we've been waiting on Twitter's demise for like what feels like years now. Um, but I will say if you really want updates on FitClick and you are worried about Twitter, I would recommend joining the Discord at this time. It is our best avenue to contact folks um, if Twitter does decide to combust. Um, also, you can always email us and say, hey, I want updates or something like that. And we can help. But um, just an FYI, because I don't know what's happening. <laughs> And neither does Elon Musk. We're working on alternate thoughts, but we haven't gotten anywhere yet about having more modes of communication with folks. If you'd like to financially support FitClick, you can do so in two ways. We do have a Ko-Fi app where you can just donate. Um, that goes both towards hosting costs, um, and then also we are trying to come up with some sort of development things. Speaking of which, there is some merch. Um, I, Brenna, would like to create more. So if you have any dream FitClick merch that you'd love to see realized, 
let me know. You can let me know in Discord. You can let me know in my DMs. You can let me know by coming to my house if you know where I live. <laughs> Don't dox me, though. Only if you already know. Um. <laughs> is, is email an option or only those three? <laughs> uh, <laughs> email like is, straight but... <laughs> to the house. <laughs> yeah, I feel like it'd be co- more collaborative if you just, like, showed up. We could work on it together. Um, but yeah, no, feel free to email. It's a great avenue. Talk about, like, an <laughs> impromptu productivity hour. Yeah, <laughs> at my home. <laughs> um, but again, only if you already know. If you don't know, get out of here. I'm watching you. Um, Brenda knows where you live. <laughs> <laughs> For some of you, that's true. Our next episode will be another three fic format episode. It will be coming out on August 18th. Nick, what are you bringing? My pick for next episode is Richie Tozier is The Comeback Clown by Owl in a Minor and Tiny Person Hotel. This fic is for the fandom It by Stephen King and also the movies. The relationship is Eddie Kasprak slash Richie Tozier, and it is a multimedia established relationship fic with a lot of crossovers. Reed, what are you bringing? Next episode, I'll be bringing It Walks Among Us by Strange Hunger. The fandom is She-Ra. Um, it is an Among Us AU, um, and the pairing is Catradora. I think that's how you say it. Maybe maybe it's not, but I don't know, because I'm not in this fandom. Brenna? My pick for next episode is And Then We Shot the Ox by Colt Spain. Uh, this is a short little gen fic for the game Oregon Trail. Ficklets, I'm going to the Ren Fair this weekend, um, and I'm excited to maybe live out some of my Pirate Queen dreams. Bye! Ficklets, I'm worried about the costas of living going up again. <laughs> Bye! <laughs> Ficklets, I hope I don't get poisoned. Bye! <laughs> <laughs>